Welcome to Conversations with Ask Ash. Conversations with Ask Ash focuses on people, processes, and outcomes. Ashley dives into everyday conversations around work efficiency, team productivity, and project execution. Let's get into the show. And now, your host, Ashley Schuler. What's happening, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash. And this is an exciting season. Um, I am your host, Ashley Schuler, and we are talking all things communication. It's actually called the Communication Breakdown Season. So, what we're really doing this season is we're really getting into the nitty gritty. Um, you know how if you um, clean the kitchen, and you know you uh someone says you missed a spot yeah we're going into the crevices of of communication and we're talking about all sorts of topics we're talking about client communication meeting management we're talking about having a plan for communication with your team and there was someone that i just had to know and i, and I was like oh i hope that they have their availability um and that is juan alvarado um, who's a strength finders coach um a dynamic leader and is really someone that in this space, for me, I think has a great pulse on what's happening with leadership in teams. And I believe in this day and age of hybrid teams, remote teams, um, hiring remotely um, and quiet quitting and all the things in between, we have a lot to discuss. And so I want to welcome to the podcast once again, no stranger, um, Juan Alvarado. Thank you so much, Ashley. I, I appreciate you, your time and having me on the show again. Thank you so much. Oh, this is just fantastic, um, Juan. And you got you all have to go back um, over to the first season to kind of get all the backstory of Juan. So we won't go, we're not going to go far back um, this time around. We're going to kind of go into um, kind of like where we left off in the conversation because last time we did talk a lot about you know, best practices when working with teams and communication. We we touched on those things. It, it was a good conversation. But now lots of things have evolved in the past two years. And I do want to start off with what you've seen, Juan, in this day and age of we're returning back to the office or not. We're building remote teams. What do we do in terms of the world of quiet quitting and all those types of things? People seem to be restless. Mm-hmm. Leaders are like, how do we keep people, you know, happy? Like, so I want to kind of, I want to unpack this particular conversation on our team communication from this leader's perspective. Like, what are you seeing? Yeah, um, I think I'll I'll let you know what I'm seeing. I almost want to go over what I'm forecasting and seeing is I really think that there's enough people who have come back. There's still those um, few groups that still don't feel comfortable uh, going back and or have gotten so comfortable that, hey, why can't I do this from home? My argument would Mm be I've done it for the last two years from home and I've done a great job. How come I, I can't do that? I think there's some pros and cons to that. Um, I think what a lot of people and companies and organizations are doing now is what can we have at home that might save us office space, uh, save us money, things like that. Um, but I think when it comes down to true team dynamic, the people that need to be together are going and, and the people who need to have that constant communication and team camaraderie that you can only get in person is going to be in person. And my... Wow. My, my thing is people need to be careful and be aware that if they are those people who want to stay home, who seen if they can do something that's remote 100 percent, try to get into something that's hybrid or try to go back to work. Because I really think um, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a thing of the past to work from remotely. Again, if there are people who can work from home, if you think about this like, OK, custodians, I can't clean the office right from my home. Right. So those people have to be in person. But then we find like accountants that probably can be the accountant at home, right? But then you have those salespeople or those managers or leaders uh, that need to be in the office space have to be there. And those relationships are going to grow when they're in person. Um, Has there been long distance relationships if we're going to that that route? Have there been long distance relationships that have worked out? Absolutely. However, a majority of long distance relationships don't work. So how do you think that your work relationship is going to work long distance or things like that? So just be careful for those people who are at home or trying to be at home all the way. You don't want to get left behind. 
and you can't complain in the sense of people who are working one-on-one or in person, I should say, where those people are getting the promotions and, you know, rubbing shoulders and elbows with those people because they're putting themselves in the right environment and your environment, unfortunately, is going to be at home, kind of detached from everything else. So um, I also see that there's a lot of people, a lot of leaders and teams already moving forward in the team dynamic and in work where they're almost frustrated with people who work from home. Like, get with it. We're back. We're going. Nothing's wrong. We're <laughs> let's just go. Like exactly. I need you. I need you here. So there's there's gonna be some built up frustration. And honestly, I've heard this before from leaders and it kind of sucks to say, but they're speaking their mind is I need you to be here. If you can't do the job, then I'll find somebody who can. And that's a dangerous mm. place. And that's a dangerous place to be. But when you hear somebody say that, talking about communication, what is the underlying um, subtitle, if you will, with that? I hear I'm frustrated because I might need or want you in person, but the person's not saying that. And I want to move forward 100 miles an hour and you're still back here. So again, I always tell people it, you need to listen to or watch the subtitle of what people are really saying. And sometimes frustration gets so much where, hey, you might get left behind. So I don't want to, you know, bark up the wrong tree. I might need to come in. Um, but you just, I think you just have a sense of people wanting to move already. They want to go forward. And and I'm not slowing down. This is not one of those run next to the train and we'll pull you up. You better be on the train or you're, you're going to get left behind. See, that's that's really good because there's two cent, there's two uh, sides of the coin. There's the uh, the employee or the person that works for a company, and now they feel empowered because they've had self discovery or you know whatever the case is, and now they feel like, all right, like I've been doing this, or they have a, they've been building their life because they've been you know they've been allowed to be remote, and then you have on the flip side the company perspective of. All right. Well, you know, quote unquote, getting back to normalcy or a new normal, we still need to focus on company goals and where we're going. So therefore, they feel empowered as well to say, all right, well, if you don't, this is just what's this is where the road ends. Right. Right. And so where does one start to broach that conversation? Either the 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 staff member that's like, uh, I'm trying to see the, the picture of of hybrid right because i'm hearing too all right i can definitely do once a week but but no don't don't tell me to come in three times (laughs) how i mean how how do we bridge that gap like you know in terms of is it comfort is it compromise like what do we what what do we do with that my first um kind of go-to would be that the company the organization and, and its leaders and management need to come out the gate and say what is needed and wanted uh, there can't be this, uh, go, go back to relationships. Like, no, go ahead, go out with the guys. It's okay. It's okay. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, it's okay. And then get the cold shoulder when you come back. Like it ca- it cannot be like that. We are moving to a hundred percent in person and you have six months to get here. I'm going to give you time. Like just come out and say what you need and want. And when we talk about communication, mm-hmm. there can't be beating around the bush and, and, Oh, well, I don't want to, you know, hurt their feelings. You hurt their feelings when you don't plan properly, when you don't, wow. when you don't go and, and, and show vision and that mission where there's, uh, where it's, it's all upfront and honest. And I think a lot of people just want people to be honest. If you have a problem with somebody working from home, then you need to say it, but also give them the ability to uh, transition. There's got to be this transition period. Some people might argue, well, you've had plenty of time, um, but the the other part of it would be if you're able to work 100% in person from before everything, you can do it now. I understand there's some things that um, might hurt some people or some people moved, right? Hey, I can work from yeah. home and I moved. What am I going to do? I would say that if you are a great worker, your character and your work ethic will pay off. Like yeah. you, great workers will find other jobs and sometimes higher paying jobs at that. Um, but... I think the main thing for leaders and managers is just to come out and say what you want and don't be shy about it because you can not complain later on that says, well, I can't get them to come in. Well, you, you held on for it for so long. Like you beat around the bush so long that instead of coming in, coming out in front six months ago, you're trying to do it now like a quick bandaid and that's going to hurt. And you just, you can't, you can't do that. So I think my biggest frustration with a lot of leaders and managers and, and teams 
is the fact that they, in a world today where a lot of people get offended for every little thing, people are really <laughs> careful on what they say. And sometimes when you're too careful, you're still gonna screw up your message. Just come out and say what you need and what you want, um, but also be able to do it professionally. Right. I can be I can be upset as a manager and say, God, I just wish that everybody would just come into work for, you know, for Pete's sake, just come to work. Get that out on your own. That's fine to say that. Go home, say to your your spouse, your kids, a group of colleagues that you know that you trust, like Mm -hmm. your mentor, whatever is get off your chest. So then how do I say that to somebody in a professional setting? How do I but it's okay to get that off your chest. If that's your frustration, that's your frustration. But when you're constantly trying to worry about somebody else's feelings, hey, the feelings sucked when we had to work from home. How am I going to do this? How am I, and now you know how to do it. It's kind of like, um, I know people can't see me, but it's almost like ho- holding your hands. Like, I don't know how you do it when you interlock your fingers, what yeah. thumb is on top. If you ever that's try right. to, if you ever try to do it the other way, it feels so weird and awkward. Yeah, that's what, work, that's what, that's what working from home started to look like or feel like mm-hmm. it's weird. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to need to get internet. I'm going to need to do this, this, but we stood like this for so long. And now yes, this, did. and now this feels normal. Like this going back, to how it was now feels weird. The norm feels weird. Um, but I just think that if we were to, again, be open on what we need and what we want uh, and be able to voice our frustrations in a safe environment to then translate it into something professional where we can um, bring the people up together in a shared mission and vision to get people back or whether it's fully remote to hybrid, I think we can we can do that. I like that because I think too, I think you're you're spot on with a leaders a not feeling comfortable or just being careful about all right, how do I say this? How do I just get myself out there, say what needs to be said? And then two, I also think it's also on the flip side, an aspect of how can I also build up trust with the team? Right. So they trust the vision of what's happening. So even with that said, even if it is an aspect of in six months, you know, by March, you know, whatever, you know, everybody's in, everybody's in person. What are some things that in terms of the, the building of the team communication to learn people's needs and fears and getting past that, what are the strategies that are needed? You know, yeah. just in terms of that. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, the advice goes right back to the employee of what I've had for the managers was you need to be open and honest. Again, going even back to the 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 quiet quitting and things like that. And that's a great uh, podcast episode. I've gotten a lot of emails regarding that. Like somebody needed to say this. Oh, my gosh, I wish that so and so would have said this. And so I, I love that episode. It was on a, on a spur of the moment to do that episode. But the same advice would go for employees like you can't. This podcast PG. <laughs> it is, but yeah, but, but yeah. Like you, you can't get pissed off when mm-hmm. you can't move up, or you don't, or you don't move up, or you get looked over when you have these frustration and gripes that you've been holding in. Like you can't, you have to be able to voice those those things. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I the advice that I give to managers, the same thing that I I say for employees, like you need to voice your opinion in a professional way. Again, let it all out to whomever you feel that you need to let those frustrations out. But when it comes to teamwork and communication, um, you know, people want certain things from their managers and managers want something from their employees. And so we go back to, and I don't know if I said this in the last, in the pot, the last podcast, but there's three different types of expectations. There's the expectations that I have for myself. There's the expectation that I have of my employee. And then there's expectations that the employee has of me. And it goes and vice versa. If I'm an, if I am the employee, I have expectations of myself. I have the expectations of my boss and I have the expectations that the boss has of me. That's right. So you have, so you have these three levels of expectations. And then once you bring it back, you almost need to do a reassessment, right? So if I walk through this, uh, in order, the expectations that I have of myself are one, two, three, and four. The expectations that I have of my boss is one, two, three, and four. And then when I look at the expectations that my boss has of me, they might have one, two, and three. Do, does one, two, and three, or should I say A, B, and C, do those coincide or are they one, two, three, and four that I had of myself? If not, then guess what? Now I need to reassess my expectations of myself and they need to be one, two, three, four, and A, B, and C. And so there's constantly has to be this, let me communicate this, let, let them communicate it back. Okay, now I need to re-communicate what what I do, because here's the, the thing, I've gone into a couple different school districts and some different uh, nonprofits uh, pretty recently, and I ask them, 
what do you get paid to do? Like, what is your job? And so they'll say, oh, I'm supposed to do this and this. And then I'll ask their their boss, what do they get paid to do? And they'll list three or four things that they're not even doing or they didn't even know that was part of their, they hadn't done it for so long that their some part of their job description has left. Or somebody wow. new came in, started to do it, and now nobody knows who's supposed to do that job. And then you start to see mm-hmm. like, I need to get paid more because I'm doing somebody else's job. And then you have this huge, crazy conversation around pay and job mm-hmm. and job responsibilities. That's right. Where that all happened because of lack of communication. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think that's a, a, a good framework to have expectations of myself. You know, what do I have of my boss? And then what do they have of me? Um, and I think that will, I think that particular framework, and, and I think it's powerful because I think there's a self-awareness piece that I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's ever evolving, right? We're never really done with it um, because there is a certain level of responsibility, I think, on both sides of the party when it talks about communication that we both need to have. So I'm also interested also to know, too, um, even on the entrepreneurship side of things where people are just building teams remotely anyway, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like for a leader who's hiring people remotely? And they and maybe they don't have plans yet of doing in-person retreats. Are they doing is are they doing assessments like how do they as a leader how do you how do you shape that communication among your team yeah um so there's there has to be everyone has different tools that they use i know that you and i were um i think on the form to fill out i started to use trello trello's been out for some time i didn't really Mm -hmm. like it when i first saw i'm like this is just too much work there's (laughs) i'm doing steps that i don't need to do however when i'm working with other people and i want to know how is this going where are they at i can easily look and I don't have to bug somebody because we all know as we get working, I know this is a pet peeve of people in the office. Uh, you'll get an email. Hey, I need to, I need to get these numbers or I need to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. They <laughs> received it about 30 seconds ago and then their phone rings. They're like, hey, did you get the email? Like, <laughs> yeah. can I just do my work, please? Like, can you give me ample time? Um, but there's no need for the, the, the email or the phone call if I can see on Trello, like where the process yeah. is going and if you can implement that correctly. Um, I would say when it comes to teams, you know, I'm a big strengths finder person, um, but to know my staff strengths one. So I need to know who my people are. I, I would even say some of the onboarding stuff that needs to happen needs to have needs to be um, without people divulging too much or private information. Like what, tell me what your life is like. Like what is your, at home, what is your biggest worry? Because at home, their biggest worry may interfere with their uh, productivity at work. So if they say yes. that they have a kid that needs medication because they're sick or whatever, that's going to be in the forefront of mom or dad's mind. Mm-hmm. And then I can, and then as a boss, I can ask, Hey, how's, how's Timothy doing? How's he doing? Is he doing better? How's the appointment go last week? Now I have this hum, humanistic connection with my staff. So to me, the onboarding thing would be like, what do I need to know as your boss, as far as home life? Like, is everything good? Um, like how can I, how can I help out in that sense? And I'll tell you why in a second, why that's so important. Um, but then their strengths and what they're good at. I want to, I want to make sure that I have the right person in the right spot. I think I've said this in a couple of different podcasts, but it's like, why am I going to have, if I was to have a baseball team, why am I going to have somebody who is a natural pitcher who's been pitching his whole life as my number four batter on the roster when he shouldn't be batting, he sh- right? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play, have him play catcher. I'm gonna, right. have, have, I'm gonna have him do his strengths. So right. I need to put him in a place where I know that I, where he's in his, uh, in a position where he's able to do his best. And then I wanna know what they do, they do best every day. So yeah. for instance, I, I hate this word, even though it's, it seems like it's a, it is a, a hot keyword is passion. Like you need to find out what you're passionate about. To me, right. pa- passion is the fuel in what you do it. So let's yeah. say you love, you have a passion for podcasting but you don't want to podcast 24 seven. You might do it. You might do it with passion because you love doing it. Like I love playing baseball. I also love watching TV, but I could not watch TV 24 hours a day. Like I need to get up and move. Um, I, at times I love cleaning the house with music on and I do it passionately because I, I, I love to be able to, you know, listen to some old school, whatever black street and sing and do whatever Mm -hmm. and be able to, to clean. And I do it with passion, but it doesn't mean I want to do that professionally. I don't want to do that forever. So there's things that you will do. The things that you love to do, you're going to do with passion. But it doesn't mean that, you, that you're that you the best at it or that you mm-hmm. always like to do it. I want to, know what right. you do. I want to know what you do best. 
I want to know what you love to wow. do every single day so you can do do those things. So I want to know yeah. what you do best every day. What do you like? What do you like doing? Um, and then I want to know your kind of like your family dynamic, um, if you have a family or not or whatever. What is what is your biggest your biggest worry? And then going back to the expectation part, what do you what are your expectations in this company? And what do you want? What do you want me to? What do you want necessary for me or the organization? What are you looking for in the long run? And then I need to share with them kind of like my vision for the organization, organization, the company, so they know where they are on the, not necessarily the totem pole moving up, but where are they in this journey moving forward? Um, and then I want to know what kind of recognition they like. How do you want to be recognized? Because I think everyone needs to be recognized and it doesn't happen enough. Um, I think there's a Gallup poll that says that when we talk about en staff engagement, one of the questions on the Q12 assessment says, um, within the last six months, have you been recognized by uh, a boss or a coworker? And then it asks you, who was it, a boss or or a coworker? And I wanna say that it's, it's below 30%. So a third, let's just say, less than a third of people say that they, in the last six months, they have been recognized. And a majority of those people who've been recognized has been from a coworker. And it shouldn't necessarily come from wow. a coworker. It, it should be come from, coming from a, a boss. And the reason why I say all those things is because we start talking about burnout and I don't want my staff to be mm -hmm. burnt out. So how do I stay ahead right. of the, how do I stay ahead of the game? So there's five essentials um, and five key areas for well-being. There is, and I have to write this down because I don't know, it just comes naturally this week. There's career well-being. There's financial well-being. There is social well-being. There is physical well-being. And then there's community well-being. And for the most part, Career well-being and financial well-being will be the same because in your career, that's how you get paid. So those are pretty much tied together. That's right. um, but if those are failing and my boss doesn't know what I do well every day, they don't know what I'm dealing with. And then I start saying, I start doing all this work and I don't get paid enough. Now, my um, scoring, if you will, one through five, one being horrible, five being the best, my scoring starts to dip below a three in career and financial well-being. And if I'm so pissed and I'm so frustrated and uh, with myself, I go home and I'm tired and I'm not going to the gym or walking or doing whatever because I'm just burnt out, then my physical well-being starts to go away. And if my physical well-being starts to go away, then I'm not going to probably do anything with my community or I'm probably not going to go out. Or if I do That's go right. out or if I do go out with friends, I might be so pissed and upset. And if I drink, I'm going to drink a lot. And then uh, that's not that's no good. Right. So I want to know these things because I want to know on a quarterly basis, if not um, like in a semester, is how are my staff doing career and financially in their well-being, their social, their physical, and their community well-being? Because I want my staff to be the happiest that they can be. I want them to be able to do what they do best every single day. And if I have staff that go to work every single day doing the thing that they love the best, then I'm going to have good. I'm going to have a good rapport with my staff. I remember you mentioning before about the staff being the happiest that they can be. And I think that amazes me because I am not sure, at least from what I hear, is that I hear about fulfilling needs, right? Professional development opportunities, making sure that they're in their gift, right? And, you know, and all of that. But the aspect of the happiness level, I think that's an, I think that's just another layer on the leadership feather cap that you, that you have to think about. That's a yeah. different, that's a different thing. So when you were thinking, when, when you kind of got there, what, what sort of made you kind of switch over to, it's not just about gifts and talents and what they can do for me. Of course, the happiness leads to that, the mm -hmm. output in the producing. But like, how do you how do you even get into that frame of mind of like, you know, I want Juan to be the best. Mm -hmm. Like, I want him to be so happy. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Is that is it connected to output? Is that from a, is that connected to output or is it just, you know, I'm just curious about that. I, I think I think it, for me personally, it's it's a couple different things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's maturity one. Yeah. Uh, I think, it, I think uh, two, it's knowing both sides of the coin. And I think one of the biggest disconnects that a lot of managers and leaders have is that they're so far removed from where they used, where they came from. They were that line mm-hmm. staff, they were in the trenches and then they got a promotion. Then the guy got a bigger promotion. And then they're so far removed that they forget what it was like to be down here. They forgot the struggles, the complaints, the issues that they have. Mm-hmm. And so they just lead because that's what they're, they've been called to do. So I think that if you know both sides and you can have your ear to the ground, you, you start to lead with whether you have it or not, an empathetic heart where you start to be like, oh, we need to do something for the staff, especially if you have good staff. If I have good staff, I want to make them, ha- I want to keep them happy because if they keep them happy, then they're going to be here. And here's the thing we learned in, at, when I first started in direct, being a director in after school programs that students will stay for, will come for their friends, but stay for the relationships that they have with the staff. Yeah. And then after further review and digging a little bit deeper, we find that the staff that we had, because after school programs is a huge uh, turnover rate. Mm-hmm. A lot of college kids go and work there and they, they work there because of the hours, the flexible hours, they can go to school in the morning, they can go work in the afternoon. And so it just fits their schedule. But we're hiring, I would say, a third, a fourth to a third of the staff new every year. So it's big, big turnaround rate, big, huge uh, uh, kind of revolving door. And towards the last uh, couple of years of me working there as a director, we got retention down um, or up, however you want to look at that, where instead of hiring um, anywhere between 50 and 60 people every semester, we were only hi- hiring about five or six because we were mm-hmm. keeping so many of our staff. Some staff would leave and then they would come back and say, I love the way I was treated here. I'll take wow. the dollar or $2 pay cut and stay in here because I know how well I was taken care of and how well I was supported. And so we find that staff will go to work for a paycheck because it pays their bills, but they'll stay because of the relationships that they have there. And the fact that we started to pour into them and say, hey, we know that we're a stepping stone, but we want to be able to have you grow. So when you leave us, we get calls from organizations that say, why in the heck did you lose so-and-so? Like they are an amazing staff. I've had this last month, I've had two people call for uh, a reference and uh, they called and said, hey, did you employ this person? Why did you let them go or why did they leave? I'm like, because they're not gonna retire from after school programs. Even though I had been removed, people are still using <laughs> me as that reference call yeah, yeah, because they know how much I valued them and we did strengths with them. It was like, so when you leave, I want you to be fully equipped with that. So knowing both sides of the coin in, in that, um, and I think a lot, a lot of parts of it for me too, bringing the military side of things in is, I saw a lot of crap overseas when I was deployed um, with the army. Um, for the guests that don't know that this is the first time they hear this, I was a, um, I'm an Iraqi war vet in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And so some of the stuff that we that you see overseas, from the way people were treated to um, the way people were treated um, by their neighbor, um, you know, the way entrepreneurs were and how much money they had to give up to the, you know, the government or to, you know, other people that were there. And you just want you just want to love on people, and you want to make sure that they get to live the best that life that they're able to live. And so we're very fortunate here to live in the United States. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people come over here. People leave a whole other countries to come here because I truly think no matter what's happening in the country, whether it's good or bad, we're still the land of opportunity. And the reason why we're the the land of opportunity and to have opportunity is because you have leaders that actually create the opportunity and help those uh, those opportunities open up, or you have fighters within yourself that says, I'm gonna go out and get it. And I'm gonna open up that opportunity door myself. I'm gonna keep on knocking, I'm gonna keep on knocking. And those are the people that we want in our work, in our workforce, right? So. Yeah, and, and, and I love how you say that about the land of opportunity, but then also creating this opportunity for the team. So I, I, I often think about you know, you know, when it comes to and, and it kind of goes off the happiness tangent, but then developing your team members. Right. Because I think that there's a it, it depends. Right. It you know, depends on the, if you're starting off as an entrepreneur or you've been doing it for a while or maybe this hasn't been a thing. Right. How now that I have a staff. Like, how do I pour into them? Because they're mm-hmm. pouring into me and the company and they're building. So when it comes to that piece of it, like what are what are those conversations look like, which is like goals, 
and growth. And you may think to yourself as the leader, well, I don't want to, I don't want to grow them because if they grow them and Uh they give them, they might be, they might go someplace out. Like, like what, like how, how are we, how are we tackling that? So to me, if a leader is saying, I don't, I, my fear is that they're going to get so good that they're going to leave. That's a weakness in your leader. I shouldn't mm-hmm. fear my staff leaving yeah. because if they, if they've leave to go for a higher, better, uh, a higher paying job, yeah. I, need to, I need to look at two different things. Are we paying right? Are we paying, paying fairly? Do we need to change something? But mm-hmm. two, if that's all our budget is and that's all we can pay, then I did my job as a leader. I got them to be better than when they came in. And now it's like a, mm-hmm. it's like us being parents. It's like being parents to an 18 year old that goes off to school. Like I did everything mm-hmm. that I could to pour into you. Good job, son. Yeah. Good job, daughter. Go out and live your life and do all those things that I taught you. And here's the next part of it is you're going to screw up and that's okay. I think a lot of, a lot of times uh, when you go into a new job or as an employee, you're afraid to mess up. And I don't know that yeah. there's there's bosses out there that say, hey, this is gonna be new to you. Learn all that you can and mess up and that's okay. I heard a story of a guy who said that this woman um, lost and they couldn't locate a, a couple million dollars and she was an accountant. And oh. so they brought her in and she's like, here's my letter of res- resignation. I know that why you called me in. He's like, no, 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 no. There's two things that keep, there's uh, something that we share in common. We've both screwed up. That's one. And second thing that we have in common is we both still work for this company. I've made a mistake mm. and that's okay. And you've made a mistake. We'll find the, the missing money. There's a, there's a comma move. There's a zero somewhere that it shouldn't be. <laughs> we'll find it. But people wow. were so scared to make, to make a mistake. And there's, I think there's an old story of, of um, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, just north of me where they were off track in way behind in the, in the create the creation of the, of the, um, that's right. The mm-hmm. bridge. And then they put the safety net there. And then when the safety net was there, they, the people were working a lot faster because they were not afraid to fall. They weren't afraid to, to, to mess up. And I think part of, part of the conversations uh, that we need to have is that initial conversation. Hey, this is our goal. This is what we want to do and get, get to all that. But I think the bigger thing is, it's okay to mess up. We need to make sure that we have the right people around you that you feel supported in that, that your mess ups are minimal. However, that you, that it's okay for you to work hard and work diligently, that if you're stuck, you feel comfortable enough to ask for assistance, ask for help. And we need to have the support around you where um, you can get that. Um, I would say also uh, a lot, I see a lot of organizations not do for whatever reason, evaluations. They've either gotten, a ri- mm-hmm. gotten rid of them or they do them yearly. Here's my issue with evaluations yearly. You get to the end of the year and you say, hey, here's all the stuff you screwed up on. And this is the stuff you did really well in. So good job on that. (laughs) Fix this. When I would have loved to know six, seven months ago what I was screwing up on, right? So I would say that some of those evaluations need to happen uh, quarterly or or by each uh, semester in that sense where you're able to, excuse me, trimester. So you're doing... Um, either two two a year, so one in the middle of the year, one at the end of the year, or every trimester, so three a year, to see where you are as a staff moving up. And I would even say for the management too, I want to know that my managers are getting better, my supervisors are getting better, and it should there should be evaluations from all the way to the top to all the way to the bottom. And I my staff would would want to know. I'd hope that they would want to know. This is where you started. This is where you are, and this is where we need you to be. So in six months, we want to see, and even if we're going back to the five yeah. essentials of well-being, this is your career well-being. What do you score it? A three. Okay. My goal is to get it to like a four, 4.5 and little by little. So what, what are those concerns? Why? So I used to tell this to my kids. I still do. Um, and this is a, a, a little bit of a, um, a, a, like a workaround that you guys can do with your staff is how was your day today? Um, they might say it's a seven. Okay. What, uh, let's say it was a 10 what shitty thing happened that knocked it down from a 10 down to a seven. Mm -hmm. And then they'll tell me a little bit more information. And then I'll get to a point where I say, okay, let's say it was a zero. What great thing happened that knocked it up to a seven. I need to know what we do well as a company, what, what, how well we do as an organization that, Hey, somebody told me good job or somebody complimented me on this, this and that. I need to know it's, it's your, you know, um, your uh, cheat sheet, if you will, what we do well, which brings people's day from a horrible day to a good day. But these two or three things that we don't do very well, that knock them down from a 10 to a seven, we need to stop doing those things or investigate those things. 
but my goal with my staff is to say, okay, how are you um, career wise? Where do you want to go from here? Where are you financially? Where do you want to go from here? Socially, what do you do? Physically, what do you do? Because if I can have my staff the best mentally and physically and spiritually and in the community and giving back, and I know that we're working on their outside and their inside, they're going to be that much better as a staff. And so um, I want to be able to, again, have this open communication. There should be a lot more done, done for staff, especially newer staff on the onboarding process than just HR stuff, setting up your, you know, your payment. Equipment. And, yeah, equipment <laughs> and all that other stuff. There's got to be like, okay, so now we know how to pay you. If you get injured, you know the process of getting injured and what That's happens right. there. Uh, we have a direct deposit and you know where your desk is and you know our policies and procedures. And even then you're not going to know all of them, but you know how to do the job, but do you know how to communicate with your staff? And my thing is like, I don't know that, that companies do a, a good enough job to get to know their staff. Like there's got to be an onboarding process for you. Like I tell people in even in interviews, it's not necessarily a job interview where they're interviewing you. You as an interviewer, you have just as much power as the organization. You need to be interviewing the job because how do you know you even want to be there? It's an interview both ways. People will say, right. oh, thank, thank you for coming to, to the interview. We have some questions. I'm like, good. Thank you for being here and setting up the interview because I got some questions for you. It's got to go both ways. And so when there's an onboarding, it's almost like there's got to be an onboarding to like, hey, this is, you need to get to know me. And so That's right. some of that stuff, um, and I do this in teams when we work with um, Gallup and do some of the Gallup stuff with, with teams, we do this quadrant. And in that quadrant, we talk about, you get the best of me when, you get the worst of me when, um, you can count on me to blank. And then uh, the last one is, uh, this is what I need from you. And that is essentially a cheat sheet for bosses, for their staff to know, how do you get it on the good side? What not to do to get on their bad side? What they need from you? That's a huge quadrant um, to look at what they need from you. And then if you need some help or assistance on something, you can count on them to do what? So it's really, it's really good to have every staff to have this because now I know how to communicate with my staff a lot better. And that's, uh, that's really key on in the in you and you said it the aspect of you know you get my best when or when I'm at my worst this is what happens because the more and more teams are talking with each other communicating you can then listen for like how the body language like right. how they how they're showing up because then you can say oh I think there's something off um, so I do want to ask too about, you know, all this, all this takes time, right? Because, you know, it's, it's there, we all have this aspect of like, we can implement too many things at one time. Mm. What would be sort of some of the steps for a leader, whether they've been leading for years or they're, or they're just like, you know, just getting their bearings together, so to speak. I'm like, all right, I want to start leaning into this aspect where I want to be a better communicator, better leader and, and really be a better leader for my staff, what should we be starting with? I mean, should we start assessment wise? Should we start with that pre-interview onboarding experience where it's not just the tech and the payroll? Where should we be starting? As a leader, my first go-to is working yourself and that, that personal mm. development, that personal development part, because yeah. if, because it's, it's easy to bark orders, it's easy to say, yeah. hey, we need, we need to change this. But if people start to notice, did you notice the difference on one? Like one smiling a little bit more, one's walking with a little bit more pep in his step. Um, you know, you, you see that person and you say, man, I haven't seen you in some, in, in a while. Like you look good. What are you doing? Like, have you lost some weight? One, that person yeah. would be like, well, I'm glad you asked because I have. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but people are interested in what changes are you making? Well, this is what I'm yes. doing. And I've changed this and I started to read a lot more. And I want to share with you guys what I feel we need to do when it comes to communication here. And people are going to be like, oh, I get it. Like I want, I, mm -hmm. I want there to be changes. So when you say this is what I'm doing. And the reason why I'm a lot happier at work is because I've been doing these three things. So we're going to get ready to go to have a, a meeting or whatever. Um, and I want to share these things. They're going to be more apt to, and more open to attend these meetings, to go to those things, because that change, you are that change agent. You started to make yes. that transition first and you're leading by example. 
That's good. That's that change from within. I mean, and it's it's so simple, but yet at the same time, it is something that you got to be cognizant about. Mm-hmm. You got to be disciplined around. So whether that is reading a book, applying principles, you know, you getting yourself coaching, whatever that looks like, it starts with you. So even in that aspect of it too, it starts with you. You start to see the change or, you know, it's sort of catching fire, so to speak. Now, in terms of like the team development activities, even mm-hmm. something that whether it's like you're fully remote and maybe you want an in-person retreat, what should people be doing, especially when it's just when it's the hybrid piece of it? How often should people be retreating, socializing and just, you know, not necessarily even the, I mean, you could talk about work, but just this aspect of like you said, we got to get to know right. like each other. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I, I laugh and chuckle because I'm meeting with an organization Thursday. What's today? Today's Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting with them on Wednesday or Thursday. And they're asking for my help with teamwork specifically because mm-hmm. they're a whole bunch of clashing. It's like either we're going to bring everyone together or we're going to get rid of everybody. That's how <laughs> bad it is. Okay. Okay. And so I said, okay, so what have you guys tried before? Mm-hmm. And they said, we brought in a positive thinker. And I was like, that's awesome. And I can tell you right now, it probably didn't work for two reasons. (laughs) You can think all you want, but unless there's action, it's not going to help one. Mm -hmm. And two, you're now calling me (laughs) to help. (laughs) So apparently it didn't work too. It didn't work too well. Um, But I don't know. There just seems like there's so much stuff that people are doing. And they're, they're, I've used this word already, but they're beating around the bush when it comes to things that really matter. Um, so before we get into like the, um, the amount of stuff, I mean, again, not to get political or things like that. And I am not knocking anybody who holds these positions, but you have this diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, positions that have been opening up and everyone seems to be hiring, uh, for, and the, and the thing is like, we want to bring, uh, more diversity in and we want to include everybody. We want to do this. And what I've learned, this might be a little controversial, but when you have inclusion, you have, you don't have total inclusion. I talked to a guy about this was uh, they want to bring inclusion stuff into uh, sports at the school, uh, my kid's school. And so I said, okay, so they said, we want to include everybody. And I said, okay, so bring in the sixth graders from the school down the street. And they said, no, 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 no. We can't do inclusion for those, those sixth graders because our school is only seventh and eighth graders. So we're only including seventh and eighth graders. And I said, oh, okay. So I want to play, bring me in. And they're like, well, we can only seventh and eighth graders. And I'm like, so the inclusion piece that you're trying to check the boxes in, you're so Mm -hmm. sold on including people, um, but you are excluding people as well. You're not bringing in sixth graders. You're not bringing in adults. You're just doing it for your school. So so can the kid at the, that seventh and eighth grade from the school down the street come? And they said, no, it's only our school. Oh, so we're excluding everybody else except for the people in our school. And what they're doing is they're trying to check a box in this inclusion part. And then they're like, well, we want to bring, what we mean is we want to bring people, kids with like disabilities and stuff into these sports. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to play flag football. And you're going to bring this kid in who might be on a wheelchair. And they're like, yes, exactly. Because, okay, so ask the kid if he wants to play. And they're like, I don't want to play. And so it's almost like we're forcing this whole thing in instead of saying to the kid, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What what have you always wanted to do that you feel that you can't do? And we want to help mm-hmm. you do that instead of this big old huge blanket of things. And so that's the reason why I said I didn't want to knock the diversity, equity, and inclusion piece is I just think we're doing it wrong. I just think that mm-hmm. we're trying to bring, bring this whole blanket to solve everybody's problem sure. instead of asking them, what do we need? For instance, and there's another school that says we don't have, uh, we're not including our, um, in the district, our Asian community. They have mm-hmm. zero kids that have any Asian descent that go to the school. I'm like, how are you supposed to do this for Asian kids at your school when you have zero population of Asian sure. kids at your school. Like you're trying right. to check the box and it's not it's not even a box that should be had. Now, when you get a student, you need to be, of course, to be ready for, for stuff like that. What I'm getting to is that when we do certain things with our, our staff, like uh, there was an organization that said, we, we did this game where we brought in puzzles and the 
and we wanted everyone to put this puzzle together, but they didn't have all the pieces. And it's just a real cool like exercise. And I was like, okay, so I have a question for you. What is your biggest issue and problem that you guys are having? Like, why are you guys doing this game? They're like, oh, well, there's some conflict between um, wow. budget and accounting. And I was like, oh, okay, so what's the problem? Well, some people are saying that uh, I'm not gonna do that job because that's not my job or they always call and they always, they got new hires and we've been asking for new people and they're not giving us new people. HR keeps are getting new people. And so they're at each other's throats. And I said, so you think putting a puzzle together is going to help you guys? <laughs> right. What are we doing? Like stop with sure. the positive thinker person coming in and going back to the very beginning thing that I said from the very beginning of, yes, we need to be upfront with what we need and what we want. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about how do we bring people together, ask, you know, I've learned from through Jim Rohn, asking starts the receiving process. We have more people above us in our state, in our country that says, you need to do this. And that might be some of it, but we just need to ask. We just, we really truly just need to ask our staff, what is it that you need and you want? What is the biggest issue? And when you guys, and I mean, typical to me, leadership 101, if you're going to come with me with a problem, come with three different solutions. Yeah. But be able to say, how often do you guys want to get together? Like you asked, you know, how often do we get together, do retreats where we're not talking about work? Ask. There might be some people that say, they might say, don't bring this BS. Can we just go to work? Can we just (laughs) work? Can we just you're going to have those people. I was those people when we yeah. go to a conference. Okay, everyone has a team and we want we want you to come up with a team name and a chant and I'm over here slouching in my chair like, can we not with a chant? Like, I, that's not what we're here for. Like, But you're going to have those people that are those cheerleaders, if you will. And there's people that eat that stuff up. So how do you juggle both of those things? Mm-hmm. I think you have to just ask and say, how often should we get together? Um, and, and there's data that goes along with this. I think it, with going, so we, if we can get a little bit more serious here um, and me not go on my rents, um, remote workers should be checked in, should be checked in with two to three times a week, which is a lot, mm-hmm. I think. However, yeah. when you're remote, you feel lonely. You, you feel like you don't have support. You don't have the coworkers to, to have the, the water cooler conversations, the fax machine, the copier conversations. You don't get that when you work remotely. And so they need those check-ins. You find that two out of those three check-ins should possibly be work-related, but one, at least one of those check-ins should be everything else but work. Yeah. Going back to, again, what I said from the beginning, when we do this onboarding process of, hey, I'm calling Mary today. Mary has Darlene and Jacob, son and daughter. Daughter's 14. Jacob is nine, plays sports. Hey, how's football season this year for Jacob? How's Darlene's, you know, ballet class? That's right. Like do data. Like we'd probably do more background investigation and we know where the person worked. I don't care where they used to work. Like that. how's that helping me now, right? I want to know how I can help my remote worker feel more connected um, so mm-hmm. as far as connecting with remote staff, I would say two to two to three times a week, one of those times being anything but work. Um, I would say our, the evaluations, like I said, two to three times um, a year where we're able to um, fix things, tweak mm-hmm. things moving forward, um, giving that recognition. How do you want to be recognized? And sometimes those recognition should happen at a retreat or a Christmas party or a Um, A big thing. I know that I worked at one company and they said, the thing that we're missing is the family dynamic. Yeah. People just want a sense of belonging. So how do you make a, so just having that thought process in the beginning, if they want to feel like they belong, how do you make a remote worker feel like they belong to a team when they work at home the whole time? How do you make a a hybrid worker feel like they're part of the team? And that's so be so blinded by, because I think this is probably the bigger blind spot of that is well, you come to work every day. You're here five days a week. What do you mean you don't feel like you're part of the team? Right. So sometimes the problem is right underneath you and we have no idea. So really connecting with those people. And again, I really think that when we talk about those five essentials of well-being, the conversation starts to happen in what they're doing in work and what they're doing out of work and what makes them what makes them happy. Um, I would also say going back to, to the question of where do leaders do, and I said uh, personal development, I would also say to, to read those things that make you feel uncomfortable, that push you. Um, something like I always read leadership stuff all the time. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to read stuff on, um, I don't know, how to be a better fisherman. I don't know. 
something's going to be different. Something where I'm like, oh, I didn't know this. Ooh, I can make a lesson out of this fishing tip out of, yes. you know, uh, whatever it is, but something's going to push me and make me feel uncomfortable because then if I'm going to be asking a staff to change up and do something different and make them uncomfortable, then I need to know where, what they feel like, what, what they're going through again, because I need to lead by example. So they're probably going to feel X, they're probably going to feel Y, and they're probably going to feel Z. How do I help support them in those areas? Because I went through it as well. So learn something that's going to be uh, different Again, going back to, to talking to staff uh, about um, their career well-being, their financial well-being, social well-being, so forth and so on, is pushing them in a way where you're going to help them get better, but helping them feel uncomfortable uh, in a sense of they are supported in, in those things. Um, but when we go do a retreat, what have we not done or what, what's scary to do? Right. You have all these rope courses and jump from this you know tree <laughs> to another tree. And yeah. Those things are cool if you're looking for camaraderie. But if we're looking, how do we communicate better? I don't know that any of those things are going to necessarily work. Um, instead of asking, what's your strength? What's my strength? Why are we missing the the mark with each other? That's right. And it's because your strength is different from my strength. And we can deal with it better than a kumbaya session at the beach or in the mountains somewhere. So really asking, going back to that, bringing it full circle, what is what do you need and what's going to help? Is it camaraderie? Cool, kumbaya session, mountain surfing, mountain climbing, backpacking, whatever. If it's a legit workplace thing of we need to communicate better, we're not getting along in that sense uh, because of the lack of communication, let's drill down into the lack of communication, bring a strengths in, bring a coach in, bring a consultant in, and let's just hit the problem head on. So really just ask what what what's needed. Uh, but again, ask yourself, how often do you think that this is needed and start there and then adjust? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what you you've done throughout this this our conversation is that we got to peel it back to the simplicity of it all um, because we you know, there's the books, there's the courses, there's all the thing, all the things that. Um, are, are can be useful but then there's also this aspect of you know in order for us to especially well you know and let's just put that there especially if you desire right because not everybody desires to you know to to kind of get to that level but if you're desiring to really be a leader of your company your team whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in an organization then then the onus is on you to be your own change agent mm. and then be able to set your particular team on fire by them seeing the change within and then and then this aspect of making it very simple asking people i love that um over analyzing or over systematizing the whole thing can i think desensitize the whole thing like mm -hmm. you know you can just make it very robotic checking off box we did it so Juan, as we wrap up i do want to um i want you to go back over over back over the five well-beings because mm -hmm. i think that's so powerful um and then any just just closing thoughts for for leaders just anything that you want to kind of just wrap up because i think yeah this was just fantastic yeah um so the the five essentials of well-being is, is um actually the full class that i teach is the five essentials of well-being and how to prevent burnout um, and to me, it is just something that needs to be brought into the forefront. I talked to um, about 10 to 15 educators over the last five or six months that were friends of mine that I met during speaking engagements, and they're not teaching anymore. And to me, it's sad. Mm -hmm. They've left the uh, school systems, they're not teaching. Uh, they might be consulting in the teaching side of things, but they're trying to find different jobs uh, because they weren't getting the support, they were burnt out but they love to do that. This is why I think I have a heart for the communication to make sure that we have staff doing what they love to do every single day. Uh, and something as simple as asking the question of what is your career well-being, your fi financial well-being, social well-being, physical well-being, and community well-being. And those all mean something a little bit more deeper, but really scoring yourself one to five, one being horrible, five being five being the best. And basically the, the teaching says, if you have uh, about two areas where you're marked uh, a three or less, you're walking towards that fence of burnout. Um, if you are in three areas, three or less, you're gonna you're already leaning to fall over on burnout. And then anything more than that, that's like you have to call a timeout. 
I think it's very wise for for staff and and employee employers to be able to call that timeout and say, hey, let's let's take a day or two. You have vacation days, you have sick days. Let's take those. Let's mm-hmm. recharge. But even having those things in of those um, added bonuses to to work, you have a lot of organizations that have, hey, we pay for your. Um, gym membership, or mm-hmm. we have community involvement. We want you to help in whatever. Go to you know help kids, toys for tots, and things like that, and help help out with the community. But where can we help help you in that? I think that's a big thing to to do um, to be aware of as leaders. I think the the parting words would be is that if you're a leader or manager, you really need to hone in and look at your staff and talk to your staff to make sure that one that you they're being led the way they should be led, that they're making the money that they should be making that is fair for their job. And the way that I tell people to do that is if they were to leave today, how quickly can you uh, hire somebody in their spot? Because uh, there's some spots that you can you can get anybody to do, right? Janitor, you probably can ha- ha- um, hire somebody really quickly to wipe down desks and throw the trash out. But then you have those accountants that <laughs> it's gonna be too hard to try to replace. So then if it's hard to replace them, are you paying them the right amount? Ask them what they want, what they feel is is fair being paid. Um, But sometimes, honestly, when they just feel supported and they feel loved and appreciated, people will stay for that. So really go back to ask, are you, are they engaged? Find out, are they, are you engaged? Are they engaged? Are they contributing to the organization? And am I contributing to their growth? Um, But really take an assessment of yourself, of yourself, self-reflection to say, am I doing everything that I can for the staff? And here's the reason why, and I'll leave you with this why this is so important um, to do it with your full heart, with your full mind uh, is because when we do things casually, then complacency starts to come in. And that's one of the big things I talk about is complacency is that weed that finds its way through the middle of the cement that shows itself. And if you don't, uh, Jim Rohn says this, if you don't understand uh, weeds, if you don't know how to hate weeds and love grass, then you won't know what's good and what's bad because they both look green and they both could look nice if there's a lot of it, right? And so you have to be able to love love uh, grass, hate weeds, and then go out and, and kill the things that's killing the, you know, the, the, the organization, if you will. That's good. But you have to do it. You can't do it casually because complacency comes in. But when you do it casually, then that brings casualties. If you do it casually, it brings casualties casualties to your, your, your momentum dies out, your leadership dies out, your good workers start to die out. They start to get frustrated. The organization, the culture and organization starts to die out. So stop doing things casually and start doing them with intentionality. That's good. That's good. Um, man, that's, that's so much to unpack, but I, I like that aspect of this, the casual nature of things and what the consequences of those are. Um, Juan, thank you so much for being on this um, episode. I want to ask, um, where can people find you um, and what are you up to? What are you up to next? Yeah. So, um, we raise the bar, raise with a Z, R-A-I-Z-E, the bar.com is the website. Um, Raise the bar. Uh, CEO is the Instagram, and I believe I just got raised the bar for uh, YouTube. I, I have some videos on there. I'm trying to revamp that. Um, and then we also have the Relevant Development Podcast on all uh, platforms there for your podcast listening needs. Uh, and then the next thing is we're working on season two, and we're lo- working on. Um, Part of season two is going to be leadership specifically for men. The second part of season two is going to be leadership specifically for women. So I, I have a really good uh, lineup, both men and women, because oh, I just feel great. like I don't want to do something that's so broad. I want stuff to be specific. Um, yes. And so uh, we're going to do that. And then actually, I'm almost just as excited for season three. I'm starting to get people in line for that. And season three of the podcast is going to be um, kind of fun lessons that we've learned through coaches and sports. So, oh, yes. so getting good. college co- uh, coaches, high school coaches, uh, ex-players and things like that to be able to learn the lessons that they were taught through sports and how it amplified their, their living experience. So doing that, uh, and then just working with organizations with, with and through strengths, um, leadership training and, uh, team building in that sense. And again, not kumbaya, but really addressing the issues in the workplace and, um, combating complacency with intentionality. Oh man, such, um, fantastic, 
things that are happening um, and we will have all the information in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, Juan, for this enlightening discussion. Uh, and I believe we were, I believe we were shifted. At least I was shifted today. Um, uh, just a mm. great perspective um, on leadership and team communication. And yeah, this was good. This was exciting. Um, and so if you, 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 this is what you need to do. You need to go back to this episode and you, I would say go ahead and and save it, download it, download it and just get your piece of paper out and go back to this because this is one of the ones where you have to take some notes, review it, come back to it later and see where you can apply um, what Juan has talked about. And so we thank you everyone for listening to the podcast Conversations with Ask Ash. And this is Ashley Schuler, your host, and I'm with Juan Alvarado and we thank you for tuning in. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, do all those things, share with a friend. And uh, that's it. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Ask Ash. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and follow Ashley on social media at Ashley Schuler underscore. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-H-U-L-E-R underscore.